usually it's because there's like a disconnect in your brain between. I do that with things as well. It's it's not a very big surprise. No, <laughs> that's old. <laughs> What is up everybody? Welcome back to the In-Situ Health and Fitness Podcast. On today's episode, we're gonna go over everything you need to do today to start looking the best you possibly can. How hard do you need to train to get results? And the foods that you should be eating if you are feeling blue. Make sure you hang around to the end because we've brought in a new segment. Still haven't got a name for it, but make sure you stick around to the end to have a listen to it. I wanted to start off with something that's going to get everybody razzed up to start with. Razzed. Razzed. <laughs> okay. Because uh, okay. it's everybody's favourite topic. But if you want to look the best you possibly can, you need to count your calories. Okay, that's not what that's not what I was expecting. Okay. <laughs> I just feel like when we talk about counting calories or you know dialing in your food that way and getting meticulous about it, everybody gets all worked up and I can't do that. Why am I doing that? Why are you telling me to do that? Yeah. Now there's definitely crossover. So if you want to look the best you possibly can, you need to count your calories. But if you're just going for health, you don't need to do it. Mm. But if you do focus on your health, you will start to look better. And if you do count your calories, you will start feeling healthier and looking healthier. So there is crossover, but at a certain point, you do need to count your calories to get to the point where you want to look the best you possibly can. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I feel like a good way to explain it is like if you want to look your best or you want to look lean or whatever it is that your goal is that's aesthetically orientated, there's a cost, mm. right? You can't just expect to it to be easy because otherwise everyone will be walking around with a six pack, right? Yeah. So if like, I think counting calories is the cost and to some people it's going to feel like a greater cost, like it's going to be really hard and it's going to feel like it's going to take up a lot of your time and energy and everything. But to other people, it might not feel like it costs that much. It might be easier or they might have done it before or they might have help. So just Or they just want it more than the other person. Yes. So, and this is the thing, it's okay if you don't want to count your calories. Yeah. It's 100% okay. I'm just saying if you want to look that little bit extra, you might have to sacrifice a little bit more. And uh, it's not as scary as you think. I feel like half of the time it's there's so much... Uh, like calorie counting is so heavily related with like eating chicken, broccoli and rice on mm. social media. Um, and it's not as bad, like it's not as bad as social media makes it look, to be honest. Like you can keep pretty much your same diet you have now and just count your calories and you will intuitively want to change the food you're eating anyway, I hope, when you learn like the value of food through counting your calories, right? Yeah. And that's exactly right. I like to use the analogy of going to the petrol station to fill up your car. If you're going on a holiday and you've got all day to drive, you're not just going to go to the petrol station and randomly fill it up with some random amount. You're going to fill it up to it can't go anymore. Yeah. So you fill your car up for the amount of fuel so you go this far. So your body's the same. You've got to have the right amount of fuel. Unfortunately for your body, you can overfuel it and mm -hmm. underfuel it. And there's issues with both eating too much, eating, eating too less, but working out how much you actually need and filling the tank to the optimal limit is very important. And a lot of our clients, when they sign up and you get them to count the calories, a lot of them are usually hesitant or don't want to, but they actually start enjoying it after a little while because it is quite a good learning curve to see how much food 
how many calories are in the food you eat. Yeah, definitely. And I think having someone to do it with, I, like I feel like a lot of the resistance with clients comes from being worried that they're going to be obsessed. Mm. Like it's going to go too far the other direction and they're going to be worried about everything that they put in their mouth is going to ruin their calorie intake or they're constantly going to be counting their calories when they're out and stuff like that. But if you do it the right way or you do it with support or I don't know, there's more than just one way to go about it, then I think that it's completely normal, fine, safe. <laughs> um, it's just something to learn, like honestly. And if you are, if you do want to do it and you are worried about it, I'm pretty sure we did a really great episode exactly on how to find your maintenance calories and how to calculate a calorie deficit, right? Mm. Maybe we can link Show it notes. below. Yeah. Yeah. But there is a process you should go about. You shouldn't just start counting, aiming for 1200 calories because that's such a <laughs> common target. Um, but like there's online calculators and the bunch, there's like a bunch of resources out there if you just look around. Don't yeah. just, yeah, um, stab in the dark. Yeah, learn, learn about it. Don't just start counting calories because you'll be quite shocked on how many calories you're actually taking in. But just if you learn about the foods and all that sort of stuff, it makes it more enjoyable and mm. it, you understand it more so you get better results. Uh, and a lot of that, once you start doing that, you realize your macro breakdown as well. A lot of people don't eat enough protein. We talk about that all the time. So it's a good way to learn how much protein you're taking in as well, especially if you are trying to get you know, low body fat, high muscle, all that sort of stuff. You do need to focus on that a little bit more. Yeah. So it's just a good way to understand all that and do it all. Now again, eating healthy is a good way to start. I'd... Can you define what eating healthy is? <laughs> yeah, I was, go I was gonna, I was gonna go there. So, though I know, because a lot of people listening will go, "Oh, look, I want to start, but maybe not with calorie counting." And I'd say start eating healthy first, because a lot of our audience uh, just want to eat health, be healthy, yeah. feel good, all that sort of stuff. Not necessarily want to be bodybuilders. Bodybuilders. So I'd say eat, start eating healthy first. And I, again, that's different to everybody. It's definitely a personal thing. Um, and you've just got to work out what healthy is for you. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say no processed foods, no preservatives, um, and no numbers. Yeah, which is the same as preservative mostly. Yeah. But I think also the cultural aspect comes into it in regards to what's normal as about being healthy because like we eat pasta, mm. that's processed. Rice would be considered processed. Milk would be considered processed. Mm. So maybe heavily processed foods. Packaged food. Packaged. No, pasta. we can't even say that. Pasta comes in packages. <laughs> um, yeah, it's hard because, yeah, again... Yeah, we do eat pasta, all that sort of stuff. We don't eat a lot of it. No. We do eat it though. I would just say if you read the ingredients list and there's like more than two or three things maximum and you have no idea what they are, mm. then maybe like consider a better option because you can get packaged foods that are pretty close to the natural source like yogurt and cheese and stuff like that. Or even pasta. And pasta, yeah, yeah. there's usually what? only two or three ingredients in pasta. Yeah, if there's more than that, it's not really pasta. But you can also get pasta and cheese that has like 20 ingredients. Mm. So I just, I guess just start looking at your food and just taking note of what's actually in it. And can you imagine what the original source is? Mm. So like when you look at pasta, 
you know that it comes from wheat and you know what wheat looks like and it grows in the ground. So it's like, it's like you can picture that it hasn't come that far. Whereas something like, I don't know, Doritos, or, maybe like what is the orange stuff on Doritos yeah. even? <laughs> yeah. Just, just little things like that. I also try to get my clients to count their colors or plant points because it's just like a different approach to, I guess, trying to cut out the bad foods. You're focusing on adding in the healthy foods, like mm. the fruits and vegetables. So I think that aiming, if you, if you think that you eat a heavily processed diet now, I think aiming for three to four different colors a day is a good place to start. I know you're going to be like, a day, but <laughs> trust me, it's, that is hard for a lot of the people that I have worked with. So just like it's an easy thing, easy place to start, just aiming for a variety of colors. And then you'll naturally just start adding in more fruits and vegetables and it makes it a lot easier than taking away all of your favorite food first. Yep. One last thing before we move on. I had a conversation with a late teen. He was 19 mm. in the gym. Uh, he was trying to bulk up and get a bit bigger. And I'm like, you know, what veggies do you eat? And he's like, I don't like veggies, I don't eat any. Because um, like, like you alluded to at the start, a lot of people, when they think about trying to be healthy or start counting their calories, it's like chicken, rice, broccoli, and, it, and it's steamed broccoli. <laughs> There's nothing worse than steamed broccoli. You do not have to steam your vegetables to be healthy. Um, the last point I'm trying to make is learn how to cook. Um, it's not... You know, it's very simple. You can probably just type in in the YouTube how to cook vegetables that taste good, or, or anything <laughs> like that. And, and, it, and it's actually very simple to cook tasty vegetables. So all the vegetables that you, you think in, that you don't like and you're not going to eat, find a way to cook them in a... So they have some flavor? Yeah. So um, later, make sure you hang around because we're going to talk about a couple of things that you can, like we've come across over the last week that will help you um, you know, improve your life, and one of them is a spice. So make sure you hang around because we can just you can just add that to your veggies, cook it in a fry pan, and you've got mm. tasty vegetables, and they're probably going to be the ones you don't like as well. Um, so to wrap that up, yeah, to be healthier, we'll start eating healthier. Preservatives, reduce the preservatives. Yeah. Yep. Look at the amount of ingredients in the packaged foods. Yep. Colors. I would say focus on. Yeah, a colour target. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And learn how to cook. That is our trick to not counting calories, but almost getting there. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning, the first place to start. Real quick, everybody. If you're listening along and you like the sound of this info, but you're not sure where to start, then we've got you covered. If you hit the first link in the show notes, that'll take you to the ultimate nutrition guide for beginners. In this guide, you'll find everything we're talking about in, well, we just talked about in that last segment, but in more depth. All the food you should be eating, what you should be focusing on for health and longevity, how to count your calories, or if you're not ready to count your calories yet, there's hand portion guides, a massive overview of macros and everything in between. So if you want to start eating healthier, feeling better and have more energy, make sure you hit that link in the show notes, download the guide today, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Let's get back to the episode. We were watching a YouTube video two days ago, maybe, and it was with Eugene Tao and he was training a wrestler, I believe. Not a... Like a professional wrestler. But... Um... 
WWE, like show oh. wrestling. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I don't really know the difference. There's but a big anyway. difference. <laughs> and so Eugene was trying to help this wrestler get past knee pain, right? But they were just doing a workout session and talking through it. And they were pushing like so hard on the last few sets that either one of them had to help the other finish mm. the set. So like, for example, a leg extension where you sit in the chair and extend your legs up and it works your quads. Eugene was having to help the guy get the last like two reps in and he was doing the same to Eugene. And I was like to Jack, wouldn't you just drop the weight back? Like, why are they doing that? What's the point of helping each other? Because they obviously can't do that weight. Yeah. And Elaborate. <laughs> that's, this is, excuse me, this is a great point because these days, everybody you see training hard on social media, YouTube, all that sort of stuff is enhanced in some way. So they're either taking a big batch of peptides, steroids, growth hormone, some sort of hormone replacement, whatever it could be. So there's a difference between training enhanced and training naturally. Now, I don't believe Eugene, who was taking this guy, this wrestler guy through the workout is enhanced, but he has been training in that way for, I think, around 15 years now. Mm. So there's obviously different periods on when, when you wanna push that way. If you're enhanced in any sort of way, like I s said before, you can train as hard as you want. You almost need to train that hard to stimulate because testosterone doesn't give you crazy results in the gym, it helps you recover. So testosterone isn't a magical thing that helps you push harder in the gym. It actually just helps your body recover faster from the workout so you can work more. So you can do more volume without getting injured, that means. Yeah. Because you can bounce back super quick. So So that is the whole premise of taking performance enhancing drugs is that you can recover faster? Yeah. So well if you again most of these people, especially the I'm calling it a show wrestler, I don't want to offend anybody, but wrestling to perform those guys need to look huge, be huge, because it's a performance. They're almost bodybuilders doing wrestling type thing. So they need to look impressive and massive. Mm. So let's talk about the quads for a second. If you were to work your quads, generally, it takes 48 hours for that muscle group, your legs to recover before you can work them again. Maybe longer, maybe shorter, depending on the person. But for the general public, you need at least two days before you work that muscle group again. If you're on some sort of hormone replacement or enhancement, then you can almost do it the very next day, if not that same day, because your body is recovering so well. And again, it depends on how your body adapts to certain hormones and how it absorbs them and all that sort of stuff. But you could be training that muscle group almost double or triple compared to the normal person. So you're gonna get better and faster gains than that person. Does that make sense? Yeah. So again, that, that's why it comes into sports and all that sort of stuff. So if you're competing against somebody that, if you're natural and you're competing against somebody that is enhanced in some way, they've got an unfair advantage because they can train more often than you can. Yeah. So you may have trained five times in the last week because you, you can't train anymore because you need to recover. Recovery is just as important as training. Mm. But the person that's enhanced done 10 sessions that week so they're doing double the work, but still recovering enough so they can still do that work. So when you see all these people on social media 
that are enhanced and getting these great results and you, they don't actually allude to that they're enhanced in any way. Yeah. You Why just, would they? <laughs> yeah. Um, so you think, oh, I'll train like that. But then you end up burning out. You end mm. up injured. You don't get the same results as those, them people. I'm not saying it's bad or anything. You can do whatever you want. If you want to enhance yourself in any sort of way, you can go nuts and do it. But all I'm saying for those people that are doing that and saying, do my workouts and look like me, just let everybody know that you are enhanced. Yeah. Because it is very unfair for those people that aren't messing around with their hormones and are trying to get those results because a lot of people will try it, not get the results and quit. Yeah. Because it's like, well... You know, Exercise is useless. <laughs> I'm not getting those results. Lifting weights is useless. Okay, so I have a few questions. If you are just like gen pop and you're trying to build muscle, how close to failure should you go? Um, it depends. Newbies, and I've spoken about this on previous podcast. if you're new to training, I consider you from day one to two years. That's a newbie. Mm -hmm. So newbies, you do not have to push that hard. Uh, just getting in consistently is your main goal. Whether that's once a week, twice a week, five times a week, consistently for two years. And then you can go into intermediate. And that's where I'd say you'd probably start messing around with pushing yourself to those limits, but in different phases. If you go back two episodes ago, we talked about phases and how you should transition in and out of those. So. You know, for one block, which is four weeks, you might push to the absolute limit and where you need that extra help doing those sort of things. And there's different ways you can do this. It's not just, um, you know, going to the maximum effort on a leg extension and going to failure and getting your mate to help you do the last couple of reps. You can do leg extensions and then jump off and do sissy squats or something like that. So you can double up two exercises that target the same muscle and it's gonna give that extra stimulus and push you to limits. But you don't want to do that for too long, especially if you're not enhanced, just for the general public. Um, so four weeks. Generally, I'll block that in every 12 to 20 weeks, depending on my clients. I'll have a four-week block where they push hard and get that double stimulus on those muscle groups. But again, depends on the client, and it might be four weeks out of 20. Okay. So say you're intermediate advanced so you've been training for two plus years obviously it still goes in phases but can you give like a general recommendation like how close like two reps from failure i feel like i've heard that thrown around the internet yeah so is R a good goal rpe is a general term so reps in reserve uh i don't know reps in reserve so or your perceived effort of perceived effort on that exercise. Mm -hmm. So basically how hard you push. So if you're doing back squats and you're new and I say you do 10 reps, you, sh you should finish those 10 reps and feel like you could have done two extras. Mm -hmm. And it's okay that you can feel that way. A lot of people will push to the absolute limit and feel like they can't do any more reps and push themselves, that's failure but you don't need to do that. So you can just leave two to three reps in the tank, have a rest and do your next set. Um, again, as you get advanced, you probably wanna, or in that phase that I said during those four weeks, you'd leave no reps. So if I say do 10 reps, you literally cannot possibly do 11. Yeah. So yeah, 
Yeah. Changes. Yeah. 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 I get that. Cool. Good topic. Mm, interesting. I'm going to take it way, way different direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I found a very interesting study that shows nutrition can play a significant role in the development and the management of depression. Mm. So this is like this is this is like the other corner of the spectrum, but that's that's like us, right? So I just I really really like the idea that exercise and nutrition can help with like mental health in general because like obviously I think there has to be another way that isn't just meds for everything, right? Mm. Almost everything. So I was very excited when I found this study. It was done on sixteen thousand people in Spain, and it demonstrated a deficiency in four specific essential nutrients was associated with an increased risk of developing depression. 16,000. 16,000. That's a good study. Yeah, it was a very good study. Um, So basically, people with depression are often deficient in several nutrients, I would say, because it's pretty common that they lean more towards foods that feel rewarding, like heavily processed foods, sweet foods, fast foods, like any Mm. foods that are more satisfying. It's not always the case, but more mostly the case that people with depression will be more inclined to eat those foods because mm-hmm. they're looking for something to make them feel good, right? So, I mean, I feel like it's it should have been common sense 20 years ago that food and exercise had a relation to depression and, well, and anxiety. But yeah, I actually heard another podcast and they were talking about very similar to this and it's it's not a very big surprise that exercise helps with depression and same with food when you exercise and you contract your muscles and do a bicep curl and try hard it releases the same chemicals in your body that all these antidepressant drugs do yeah but instead of introducing this introducing this chemical into your body your body's producing it naturally, so it's going to be ten times better yeah. than taking a tablet or whatever, you, however you take it in. Yeah. So, yeah, continue. It's no <laughs> surprise that exercise is actually great for great your mental for health. You. So, there's four main nutrients that I want to quickly talk about. Do you want to guess? Just guess what any of the four are that I'm going to talk about. You can say magnesium. No. Oh, okay. I'm <laughs> no, you don't up. want to guess anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there, there's this study included. Folate, vitamins B6, B12, and omega-3 fatty acids. Okay, yeah, that that's what sense. I thought you yeah. would have guessed was the, the omega-3s. So I'll just briefly tell you guys what, like this means nothing to anyone unless I tell you what foods they come from, right? So folate. So low folate. So having low folate, vitamins B6 and B12, and low omega-3 fatty acids are mm-hmm. uh, moderately, which is on the higher end of being closely linked to depression. So the people in this study who were lacking these things were more inclined to develop depression. I think it was 10 years later. It was a longitudinal study anyway. I'll link it in the show notes so you guys can read it if you want. But anyway, folate is dark leafy green. So like spinach, kale, all of those things. Asparagus, broccoli, citrus fruits, beans, lentils, avocados, and Brussels sprouts, right? Mm. So you want to make sure you have those. If you're aiming for your colors, there's all your colors right there. Done. (laughs) And then vitamin B6, which is like chicken and turkey breast, fish, potatoes, bananas, spinach, 
and sunflower seeds. Mm. And then B12, beef liver. I don't know how many of you guys are eating beef liver. Not me. <laughs> Fish, like salmon, eggs and dairy. And then omega-3 fatty acids, which is like fatty fish. So salmon, sardines, also flax seeds, chia seeds, and walnuts. Yeah. Okay. So if you were aiming for to get all four of these, food from all four of these nutrients, you would have a very, very balanced meal because there's a lot of vegetables in there. There's lean meat in there. There's fish. There's healthy fats in there. I don't know. I feel like... It's just another like green flag that having a balanced diet is going to help with mental health. Yeah. Right? Mm. Okay. So the worst part, I guess, of this study was the worst part for the people who suffer from depression, I should say. I'm not, I don't know why I'm smiling about this, but this is just making me very excited. <laughs> it's not a smiling matter. Anyway, so some of the some of these behaviors are likely due to the changes in brain function caused by a lack of these nutrients, right? Yeah, right. Does that make sense? Yep. So depression-related loss of appetite is generally associated with poor interception. So if you suffer from a loss of appetite and you think you might be suffering from depression, usually it's because there's like a disconnect in your brain between the feelings of hunger, like physically feeling hunger. You just don't, you lose it. So then that's like one end of the spectrum. And then the other end of the spectrum is like overeating. So there's like a hyperactivity in the brain's reward circuitry. So you are constantly looking for some sort of reward and it can be coming from food. Mm. So then I guess if you were to look into each of these nutrients that we talk about, I'll just use omega-3s for an example because... I don't want to be here all day. <laughs> um, they actually help regulate your mood. So if you're lacking in omega-3s, then it's super easy for you to go to one end or the other end of the spectrum, like not being in tune with your emotions, so not being introspective at all, or being like hypersensitive to looking for some sort of reward, right? So just including this, just including omega-3s into your diet actually showed a significant improvement in depressive symptoms, especially related to appetite awareness. Mm. And then there was a second study that backs this up that showed that omega-3 fatty acid supplements can significantly improve people with depression compared to those who take a placebo. So that is like the best sentence ever. So that's just an omega, omega-3 supplement. Just an omega-3 supplement significantly improved depression symptoms compared to a placebo. So a placebo is like, there'll be two, two groups in the study. One group is taking real omega-3s. The other group is just being told that they're taking omega-3s, but yeah. it's not omega-3. Everybody's told, told they're taking the same thing, but some people aren't. Yeah. Mm. So that's like the best, if you're reading studies on medication or anything like that, that is like, what do you call it? Like the golden standard. That's what you really want to see mm. is the placebo. Um, so yeah, it was like, it's, what that means is that it genuinely has an impact, a positive impact, omega-3s. So, wow. yeah. That's, that's crazy. It's amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And then the, the other study that showed that the placebo effect just finished off by saying taking omega-3s in conjunction with antidepressants is the most promising way that 
anyone could manage their depression. Mm. So I don't want to just say that antidepressants are useless because they're definitely not. They definitely have a place because there's different degrees of depression. Um, but if you can just also manage your diet in conjunction with antidepressants, then the results you're going to get are going to be like tenfold. And if you could just add in some light exercise into that, then yeah, you're going to be winning. Winning. Smashing it. So I think most of our listeners that may have suffered from or know someone who suffers from depression, I think it's likely that a lot of people aren't on anti antidepressants, but they suspect that they have some symptoms of depression or they have days where they definitely feel blue. Mm. So like you can feel blue and not be clinically diagnosed with depression. And this is still very, very useful to you. Yeah. Even if you are feeling sad down, like everything is hard, the worst, just like take a look at your diet. Like you don't have to be clinically diagnosed with depression to add these things into your diet or to consider how your diet and exercise regime is affecting your mental health. Yeah, definitely. And just going for a walk as well. Yeah. I just wanted to add that in, but yeah. just going outside and going for a walk, walking is still exercise. So it is still very beneficial for you and your health. So make sure you do that as well. Um, but also consistent, just bring in the consistency on eating the good foods. So you can't just wait until you're having a bad day and then and then go get some omega-3 supplements. Yeah. So even if it is just an omega-3 supplement, just make sure you're having it each and every day and yeah. it will help rather than just waiting it. I do that with things as well. So I've been trying to breathe, do breathing techniques a lot more lately because mm. they do help with anxiety and stress as well. Um, where in the past I've only waited until I was highly anxious, anxious stressed. or stressed and then I do the breathing techniques where now I'm trying to do it every single day because it actually helps you don't you don't get run. you don't actually get to that point where you're stressed and anxiety like yeah. anxious because you're doing it every day you're trying to prevent it not just wait for it to happen and then treat it yes yeah prevention rather than reaction yes awesome wait before we go you okay. said to everyone hang around to the end because i got some life-changing thing to tell you no i just figured we could bring in a new segment oh, i don't God. i've been trying to think of what it could be called like maybe Things that improve your life. Hold on, I'm just gonna press record again. So I just figured you could think of maybe like, I was gonna say something to watch, something to listen to and something to eat. Okay. Oh, I forgot that green tea fucks me up. Oh really? Yeah, remember it makes me wanna vomit? Oh. On an empty stomach? The tannins, man. Okay. So our last segment, I wanted to try and bring a new one in. I still haven't got a name. So if you're listening along, try and think of a good name for it. I'm thinking we'll do topics that are going to help you live a happy and healthy life. Isn't it this whole podcast? But just little <laughs> things. So something you can listen to, something you can watch and something that you can eat. Oh, okay. Um, and maybe something you can do. Just threes are good. Three, okay. keep it at threes. Right. So, um, something, <laughs> you go first because I want to Something you can listen to. I listened to a great podcast. It was with Chris Williams and Alex Hamozzi. Mm -hmm. So both very deep thinkers, but very practical as well. So they think very deeply on topics, but actually give you practical advice to go and then implement what they're talking about. Where I th feel like a lot of people now we'll just talk about these topics and not actually give you things that you can go and do with. Yeah. 
So it's, it was all about business, life, um, thinking about things that you, how to go about thinking about things that you don't want to do, that you don't realise you don't want to do, and how that impacts the trajectory of your life and your success. So they go into that. Just a really good topic, uh, really good conversation, good podcast. It'll be in the show notes. Okay. Um, you want to do all three or am I going next? Oh, I can do all three. <laughs> Something. Oh wait, they're shared yeah. or they're, oh, yeah. okay. I thought I had to bring three, you had to bring no. three. I was like, I'm not prepared for this, man. <laughs> okay, so something you should watch. Is yep. that the next one? Okay, so there is a short clip on YouTube, we can link, from an interview. Hugh, Andrew Huberman was being interviewed by Andrew Schultz, I wanna say, who's an American comedian. Mm-hmm. And there's a short clip about breathing, nasal breathing, mouth breathing. I think it's like 10 minutes long. And it's just very informative, very insightful, and everyone should watch it. And everyone should try and change from being a nasal breather to a mouth breather because it's very good for your health, longevity, and the aesthetically, uh, the aesthetic aspect of your face, right? Okay. Mm. Because breathing through your mouth changes the shape of your jaw mm. and your face. So breathing through your nose just changes this whole structure, which is... So nasal breathing is better for those wanting to Yeah, know. sorry, yeah. yeah. Nasal yeah. breathing all the way. So I feel like since we've been dating, I've been working on nasal breathing the whole time because I've been a mouth breather my whole life. Yeah, mouth breathers. <laughs> um, and I will say it helps you sleep a lot better when you can breathe through your nose. It helps you concentrate a lot better. I don't know, just go watch the video. I don't have to talk about it because I just told you guys that that's my resource. Hmm. Um, and then the last one I reckon is the spice packet you got. Right. I put them on my story if you guys follow me on social media, but there's this brand called Mingle who I've seen on socials for ages, but they haven't been in a supermarket near us because we're living in the country, but now we're in the city. And Perks of living in the city. (laughs) Right. And it's like their whole mantra focus, I don't know, is no nasties, right? Mm. So we spoke about no preservatives. If you buy spices from the supermarket and you actually read the back of them, like any combined ones, not like just paprika, but like a Cajun spice, so much crap in there. A lot of sugar. So much sugar. Whereas these ones, it's literally just the dry herbs mixed together. Mm. They're pretty cheap. Like, I don't know, the everything bagel seasoning on roast potatoes, and it'll change your life. This is what I'm saying. You can just <laughs> chop up green veggies or all the colors you need and then sprinkle that on, fry it in a pan with a bit of olive oil and you've got healthy vegetables, taste good, and you're going to eat them. Yeah, so, Mingle is the brand. All right, if you have any suggestions for that segment, mm-hmm. for the name, give us a name. <laughs> um, I'll try and think of a good one for next week, but maybe once a month, we'll mix it in with the questions and all that sort of stuff for each episode. Um, obviously, if you've lasted this long, you've enjoyed it, so make sure you share it with a friend. As I always say, podcasts grow from word of mouth. So without you guys sharing it with friends or family that you think will get something out of it as well, then this podcast wouldn't be growing. And it is growing. So thank you for those that have been sharing it. But as always, just copy the link. It takes two seconds to copy this show link and send it to one friend, family member, someone that you know will get something out of it as well. Thank you all. And we'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye.